Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. There's the play action. Looking, can't find an open man. Now he's got somebody over, wide open down the middle. Complete. Twisting around is Hunter Renfro. He is down the 15-yard line. A huge play as Renfro broke wide open on this. That was uh, the great Brent Musburger calling. Uh, what a great play that was to uh, Derek Carr to um, Hunter Renfro. I forgot what the yardage was. I think it was 40, 50 yards. Um, but it was a very, I remember tweeting this at the time, such a well-designed well-executed play uh, that required some blocking up front, which the offensive line gave Derek Carr plenty of time to stand in the pocket, make his reads, kind of a fake read. Uh, I think he knew all along where he was going to be going with the ball, and then he hits uh, Hunter Renfro uh, for the long gain, or one of many that the Raiders had uh, against the Dallas Cowboys, which included uh, some pass interference penalties that they forced. Um, it was it was on the Raiders, I thought, getting behind Dallas Cowboy defenders, uh, putting them on the pre- putting pressure on the Cowboy DBs to kind of keep up, and especially once they figured out that they couldn't do it, they kept going uh, to it, um, and and rightfully so. Uh, whatever Jerry Jones said, he said uh, a lot of sour grapes. If you ask me, um, have your guys defend it better? That's what it boils down to. Uh, other teams have, and you know, don't get called for pass interference every other play, uh, like it seemed that the, that the uh, Cowboys were. Three of them on third down by Anthony Brown to give the Raiders first downs. I think four total on third down to give the Raiders uh, first downs. It was kind of the polar opposite of what was going on the week before when the Raiders, um, or I forget whether it was the Chiefs game or the Bengals game, where the Raiders kept committing defensive penalties on third downs to give uh, the opponent first downs and fresh downs. It's just not a winning formula. You can't do that. Uh, the Raiders were doing that in their previous uh, games and, you know, in the, in the losing streak. They stayed away from it and tagged the Cowboys were it, and they were committing all these penalties on third downs. And as we can see how damaging uh, that that can be. But bigger point of all of this is that Derek or is that Deshaun Jackson is starting to get settled in uh, with the Raiders and Derek Carr uh, is – obviously developing a chemistry with Deshaun Jackson, and it opens things up for everybody. Hunter Renfro had more room to roam. Zay Jones had more room to roam. Brian uh, Edwards got involved. The run game got involved. Um, It was a huge development for the Raiders because it's something now that they can – it was what they had gotten away from. They They were playing that type of football before the departure of Henry Ruggs. It took him a little while while, uh, to get it back once they signed Deshaun Jackson, and there was an adjustment period there, and it obviously wasn't there uh, in the Giants' loss, in the Chiefs' loss, and in the Bengals' loss, but it was there for them finally again against the Dallas Cowboys, and it just truly opened things up for, for the offense. And here's Derek Carr talking about how what that meant for the entire wide receiver room. So proud of him. You know, we I rudely joked last week that I just chose to throw it to Waller, you know, just because I didn't want to answer any questions, if I'm honest. Um, I just wanted to watch the film and move on, as you could probably imagine, right? And, um, you know, I think um, for all of those guys to step up, one, they have a, two outstanding coaches in their room. 
um, Edgar Bennett and Nick Holtz. Um, we're lucky to have both of them. You know, uh, they're both unbelievable in, in the way that they prepare these guys mentally to handle all the checks that I do at the line of scrimmage. It's not easy to play in our offense, you know, and the way they handle it every week, even when Waller's getting all the credit, you know, um, you know, which rightfully so, he's, he's one of the best players. But the way that they keep their head down and just stay, that's why they have days like that today is that they just keep their head down. They keep working. They keep working extra with me. What do you want on this route? What do you want on this route? Even if I haven't thrown it in like three weeks, what do you want on this route? Tell me. You want me to go like that? We had all walkthroughs this week. I told D-Jack on his touchdown, actually. I said, if we get a certain look, I you run right at that safety. I want you to go across the field because I'm going to throw it to you. He did it exactly how I asked him to. I threw it. I tried to throw as hard as I could, you know, and uh, he, he made an outstanding catch and break a tackle for a touchdown. I think that gives a those guys, when the whole room hears that co- that conversation, they're like, man, that could be me next time, or that could be me. So um, we've had those throughout the year, but it's exciting for all those guys to have a big day for as a room together. It wasn't just exciting, um, and it was obviously for, for inside that room, but if you're watching the Raiders, um, if you're observing the Raiders like I do, uh, if you're a fan of the Raiders like you guys are, uh, it wasn't just exciting, it was important. They needed to get back to having a productive uh, pass game. And, uh, you know, a big, huge part of that that puzzle got taken away from them. They weren't going to get that back overnight. It takes a little time. Remember what Rich Passaccia talked about. You know, it's difficult if you're Deshaun Jackson getting dropped into the middle of the movie and expecting to know his lines and where he's, his spots, where he is supposed to be, uh, the chemistry with his fellow, um, you know, cast members, all of that. It takes time at this level. This isn't you know, uh, uh, backyard football, playground football. It's not high school football. It's not, you know, any other level football than the highest level of football on the planet Earth. And it's very difficult, as Derek Carr said, to keep up in this offense if you don't understand it, if you don't know it, if you're uh, just a week or two into it. It's difficult. There's reads, there's formations, there's schemes, there's route trees, uh, there's checkoffs, there's all this different type of stuff that you have to understand or else you're going to be useless out there. And it's taken a little while, but Deshaun Jackson is grasping it now. And not that, you know, he wasn't ever going to be able to. He's a smart, intelligent, um, experienced football player. And the fact that it's happened this quick now is actually, a, you know, a good sign for him or indicative of who he is as a player and as a person, as an intelligence, all of that. Uh, this has been on warp speed right now, and it's starting to pay benefits. By the way, uh, as that play right there, when he shot up the sideline, great footwork, by the way, but also the speed that he had. He was gliding. And at 35 years old, the dude still has it in that regard, in many regards, on many levels, but the speed is still there. Uh, and it was funny talking to some of his teammates afterwards, uh, asking about you know that speed, and in particular when we were talking to Josh Jacobs, who didn't even he had he didn't realize how old uh, Deshaun Jackson was. Not that he's an old man; uh, he's 35 years old. But in the football world. That's kind of old. That's some mileage on on those tires. And Josh Jacobs was like, well, here's Josh Jacobs talking about that. I mean, you see, you got to see it for yourself, man. That dude is electric. Um, it's crazy, man. I had talked to them after the game last week, and uh, I had told them, I'm like, man, we got to find a way to get these dudes the ball. Um, and just to see him come in and make big play after big play is, is definitely major. When we told him uh, – <laughs> when we told Deshaun – or excuse me, uh, Josh, that, that Deshaun was 35, he's like, what? 
35? What? Are you kidding me? He had no idea that Deshaun Jackson was 35 because that makes it even more impressive, and it is uh, impressive. Uh, but more than that, it's important. The Raiders needed to get uh, back to that point, and how fortuitous uh, for them that somebody like Deshaun Jackson was even available at that at the exact moment that the Raiders needed to get somebody like Deshaun Jackson, whose that level of talent is never available at the drop of a hat. It just isn't. And I said it at the time, how fortuitous is this? It might not pay off immediately because, like we just mentioned, it's going to take time to, for him to get acclimated. It's going to take time for Derek Carr to feel comfortable throwing him the ball. It's We saw the play snaps. Uh, what do you have, nine the first game, maybe 14 the second game? Well, it jumped to over 40 uh, on, on Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys of the 87 players or 87 plays that the Raiders uh, uh, played. On offensively against the Dallas Cowboys, it wasn't going to happen overnight, and they needed some time for it to get to, to to get it together. And they have, and I think it's going to be something that they're going to build on. I think it just opens up the Raiders' offense, and it sure helps when you can run the ball. And the Raiders did just enough of that on Thursday to make it something that the Cowboys and their opponent has to honor. And when that is happening. It opens things up further downfield because now guys are creeping up to stop the run game. It all works hand in hand. And the Raiders got away from that for a little while, uh, but they got it back on Thursday. The question is, the key of it all is, can they bottle that up and take that with them over these next six games? If they can, they're going to be in the hunt. They're going to be a team that is going to give themselves a legitimate chance to make the playoffs, but they have to do it consistently. It's a one week by the week per week proposition no doubt about it you can't overlook anybody you can't skip any steps along the way it's a week-to-week deal but if they can bottle it up for the next six weeks this team is going to be in a great position to make the playoffs we're going to go out to the raider nation listener line justin is in new mexico how you doing justin Hey, Vinny, I'm doing well. Yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on something with the Raiders offense. Okay. Uh, but before that, I don't even know if you guys saw the, the news. It literally just broke. Um, Brian Kelly, former Notre Dame head coach, is going to Baton Rouge with the Tigers. So this uh, college football coaching carousel has been wild this year, to say the least. But uh, anyways, the reason why I called um, Raiders offense this year, I, I think no doubt a uh, very powerful passing uh, passing game. They kind of live and die by the big plays. Um, run game has not looked like it's been the last two years, um, obviously because of the objectively worse uh, offensive line. Um, however, wh- when we get into these leads like you saw against the Cowboys or, or against other teams where, you know, we're in the second quarter, early, early third quarter with a 14-point cushion, just just get really confused why the why the offense gets so obviously conservative like to the point where it's just become predictable it's just run on three downs you waste maybe a minute and a half on the clock and i just want to get your thoughts on like does this team just not believe in just just putting putting the the foot on the neck of the other team and just and just not even not even leaving it open for a game i I just i've never understood that i've only seen it in the last couple years i think against the broncos actually the last two years where when we're up by a touchdown or two you know the the team just just keeps trying to score and score and score and just and blow out the other team and and you saw it in the cowboys game I, i just don't understand why we get so conservative in those moments when when really we in that cowboys game we could have put that game away you know halfway through the second quarter 
Um, just my two cents. What wanted your thoughts on that one, brother? Yeah, I hear you. Uh, and thanks for the call. Uh, really appreciate it, brother. Um, I don't know if it's. I mean, yes, there's there's some element of getting conservative at times. Uh, you could also use the adjective careful, uh, prudent. You know, you don't want to make mistakes in those uh, in, in those situations as as well. Uh, so, you, and you have to stay balanced. And running the ball um, successfully is, to me, important, especially in those situations. You can control the clock. Um, you can dictate terms. You're being more physical than the other team. You're wearing them down. So, um, I, I don't think it's just because teams go into a shell, Raiders included. I think that that's what they feel the recipe is uh, to, to ride something out. And it doesn't mean you can't still be aggressive. And I haven't really sensed the Raiders not being aggressive. Yes, the last three games, um, you know, there was a little bit of a lack of aggressiveness, but I don't think it was because they, it was, you know, who they are. I think who they are is being aggressive. I just don't think that they had the comfort level at that point uh, to be who they had been the previous two wins where they were throwing it downfield and being aggressive. Uh, all year long, they've been doing that. But when you lose a big piece of that puzzle, you can't just um, say, hey, the next guy in is the next guy in. Uh, let's continue to do what we were doing before. It, it doesn't always work like that. And I felt like they needed to get, like we talked about, Deshaun Jackson uh, up and running in a big way for that to kind of uh, come back uh, in, into the picture. Now, yes, you can always make the argument that, you know, stay aggressive, keep your uh, foot on, 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 you know, the, the, the foot on the gas pedal. It, all of those things are true, but there's a fine line there too, you know? Um, and I also believe you have to be able to run the ball in those situations. And if teams start creeping up to stop that run, then you take some more chances downfield. But you have to do it carefully. You have to do it prudently. You don't want to give the other team new life. You don't want to throw up interception. There's also strip sacks and all that type of thing uh, that can change the momentum of a game. And a lot of times changing the momentum of a game is the result of mistakes that are made when you're when you're just you know dropping back and throwing the ball all the time. There has to be a balance. And I think that's what the Raiders have always strive for all teams strive for that and when they get a lead be able to maintain that lead by playing good defense by being able to run the ball and control clock obviously you can't just go into you know a a bubble and just forget about everything uh else and just continue to just you know run the ball up the middle and and you know get it get it stonewalled uh you have to be you have to have a bigger play menu than that but if you can get to a point where you can control the line of scrimmage and be able to run the run the ball successfully and take uh, careful chances downfield, that's the best recipe uh, to win. So it does. It can get frustrating at times. I'm sure for fans, especially when it's not working. Then it's easy. when it's working. It's like great. You know, we're 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 running the ball. We're running the ball successfully. We're throwing it, running it down their throat. We're controlling clock. That's who we are. We're a big, you know, physical football team. Fans love that. It's when it doesn't work is when you start thinking as a fan, oh, we're getting way too conservative, Devon. All right, Vinny. The caller, when he first mentioned, did you guys see the Brian Kelly news? Yeah. And, and, I, and I hate that he said it. And like it, So much time has passed by. I've already seen people on Twitter make the joke. But I think Urban Meyer's time in uh, Jacksonville is now ticking. 
Well, I think that now that Notre oh, you're a Notre Dame. Yes, you, I am. I have some thoughts. Yeah. You know, it's funny Would because you be okay I texted somebody, <laughs> uh, uh, someone, because I saw, I I'd started getting some word that, uh, you know, Brian Kelly and LSU might be a possibility before the show. Uh, so a couple hours ago, I had texted somebody, can't say who, and they're like, why would he leave Notre Dame for, for LSU? And, um, you know, I kind of agreed, but I, I just had this weird feeling that um, Brian was going to take this chance. And here's why. Um, to me, he's done everything you can at Notre Dame, um, short of winning the national championship. But I think at Notre Dame, it's just harder. Once you get to that level of when you play in Alabama in the championship game, the talent level is, you can see, right? You can definitely see there's a disparity in talent level. Um, but if you're LSU and you're looking at what Brian Kelly has done against really a good schedule year in and year out they play everybody anyone that you know next year alone they're playing Oklahoma Clemson and USC those are you know they don't duck anybody it's a tough schedule and the guys won I think six out of the last seven years 10 games all right so he's done as a Notre Dame fan I've been ecstatic over these years yeah we haven't won the big one but I don't think that always defines success especially in college football because so much of it is arbitrary I am interested in seeing what he could do at a school like LSU where he's going to be able to have access to a great talent bed. I mean, it's, it's, you don't have to talk anyone in to go into Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to go play football. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the great programs. You're in a hotbed for talent, whether you're talking about Georgia to your right, Texas to your left. Do I have my geography right? Yeah. Um, you know, so you're, you're – you're, Great talent. Florida is right nearby. Uh, even in your own state, you're going to be able to uh, uh, get great talent. So I'd like to see what he's going to be able to do at a school like that where um, he's going to have, on a year-to-year basis, access to a lot of talent. And I think he's a great coach um, uh, in addition to that. Urban Meyer, he basically got his start. One of his starts was at Notre Dame. I mean, he was on the staff at Notre Dame, uh, thought a while ago that he was going to come to Notre Dame when he was at Utah, but he ended up going to Florida, and I completely agreed with his decision. That's a great place to go, and he did what he did at Florida. That would be interesting. It would be interesting to see if Notre Dame went and got Urban Meyer. Are you starting to see that? or? Oh, no. I, it's, I, I am starting to see it because someone did post a picture with him in like the Notre Dame like, yes. pullover. Yep. But I also think that Brian Kelly, and, uh, wait a little bit, man. Cincinnati could lose, and this team could be like right there in the playoff. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I wonder, because he said a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm not saying the kids are going to quit on him because he's leaving. No, no, But no. it does take a little wind out of the sails. That's true. Uh, well, you know, he was mentioned in the USC conversation, right? And so this was what Brian Kelly said at the time. This was about two, three weeks ago. Uh, no. I mean, look, I think Mike Tomlin had the best line, right? Unless the fairy godmother comes by with that $250 million check, my wife would want to take a look at that first. I'd have to run it by her. I'm wondering, did <laughs> did LSU come around with the $250 million check? You know, by, by saying $250 million, he put it out there what it's going to take, right? So he gave LSU a blueprint of, well, $250 million, that's what it's going to take. So I know he didn't get $250 million, but I guarantee you he got a lot of money out of this. Oh, that's so funny. That I, that was my first time hearing that quote, $250 million. That's so funny <laughs> to throw the number so astronomically high. Oh, that's what it's going to take to get Thomas said he said that he said there is a blank check big enough. Right. He did, right, exactly. Now, by the way, if you're Tomlin, and I know that he's got a great position, a great job, but when you look at what 
When you look at what um, Lincoln Riley just got at USC, if you're if you're if you're uh, Mike, well, we Tomlin don't know right how now, much NFL coaches make. We do know how much they make. He's not making 110 million dollars. I guarantee you, he's not making 110 million dollars. That's what Lincoln Kennedy's making, or Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Kennedy. I hope you're making 110 million dollars. <laughs> let's let's wish for you that you are. Mike Tomlin's not making 110 million dollars. Um, no NFL coach besides John Gruden was even close to making that kind of money. And that was going to take him 10 years to get to the $100 million. I don't know how long Lincoln Riley is going to be at or what the length of the contract is, but it sounds like the value of the contract is $110 million. What did the Mel Tucker just make? Oh, I think that was reported $95 million for, for 10 years. 10 years. That's a lot of – that's great security, great money. And at that point, you might as well just round up. Yeah, $100 million. 100 yeah. And because we have the endorsements and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So um, – I'm wondering now, Mike Tomlin is, might be looking at that going, well, hold on a second. Like, that's a lot of money. But I still think he sees college as a step. Not not like I not, not as a pejorative, but I think that he's one of those coaches, like, I've been in the NFL. Like, he's an since, NFL guy. Yeah, like, this is the pinnacle, so why would I go to college? Right. When you see the NFL as the pinnacle and you have won a Super Bowl, I think that's where he got so mad about that, where it is just like, hey, I've won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I know. He's not like two, he, right? He is, no, just no, the one. one. He's one. been to two. He's but he's not right, like right. Urban Meyer or like even Nick Saban when he was at Miami, where it's just like, man, wouldn't college seem good right about now? Right, and, and and for Nick Saban, he was he's at Michigan State. He yeah, was, he's had the college experience. He was I'm, always yeah, a college. But I'm guy. saying Tomlin, where it's just yeah. like, no, I've been here for yeah. like a good 15 years, exactly, and I've been killing it by all like by all the standards. Yeah, and and what's I mean that thing is going down though. The Steelers, I think they're going to be, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a rebuild going on. I think if they can get the perfect, not, well, per, yeah, perfect is the, like the same way Mac Jones, where the Patriots, where we saw, it's just like, you have that down year. Ian, the, I oh, agree. You got to find somebody, you know, but I, when you do find that somebody, I think he is the coach. Who's that, that somebody going to well, be? If they find him. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just and that's hard to if do. If they because can get their Mac Jones, I think they, they'll maybe a down year. But if they get like a quarterback in the first round that fits their system, I think right. they can pick it back up. Or maybe like if, what about free agency? Is there somebody, uh, a free agent quarterback that they could go get for next year. I don't know. Who, I, I, have to I don't think anybody's on the line that would want that that they would have their sights because you know Aaron Rodgers is obviously he's not going to fish, Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, exactly. He, there's Aaron Rodgers saying Pittsburgh. That's a down. I'm not going to Pittsburgh. That's a down Green, <laughs> like, Green Tomlin's looking at it like the Mecca. Aaron Rodgers is looking at Pittsburgh like, yeah, no, I'm not going to Pittsburgh. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. I had a weird feeling all day that Kelly was going to go to LSU. I, I saw earlier that the plane. The LSU plane was in South Bend, so I'm like, oh, man, when they send the plane, it's over. <laughs> Done deal. So uh, we wish Brian Kelly um, all the success in the world. And as a Notre Dame fan, uh, I want to say thanks to Brian Kelly because he made these last uh, few years really, really fun. I know we didn't win the big one. I don't. You can't always judge it by the, winning the big one. Not the way the college landscape is uh, nowadays. Uh, he, he made Notre Dame relevant again after some real down years with Charlie Weiss and Ty Willingham and uh, who was the other coach after uh, uh, Davey, uh, the head coach uh, there for a little while. So uh, Brian Kelly established this thing as a big-time program. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where Notre Dame turns uh, from here. Urban Meyer, I like the sound of it, though. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Monday.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. At the one-yard line, first down and goal. Josh Jacobs <laughs> likes to go airborne, gets a handoff, runs in easy. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs runs it in for the Raiders. Nice to see the run game. Made the trip to Dallas with the uh, with the Raiders in their uh, big win, 36-33 to over the uh, Dallas Cowboys on Thursday. Got back on track. It was a must win, let's face it. Raiders couldn't afford to uh, fall to 5-6. and six. Um, There was just no way. So they needed to get to 6-5 and five to give themselves a legitimate chance to reach all their goals and all their objectives. That chance is now very much in play. That opportunity is very much in play. They've played their way uh, into a position of playing important games over these next six games, over the next month and a half or so uh, of of this season. And uh, it's to their credit. This is a team that uh, I've been doing this a long time. Um, I've never covered a team that has had to deal with the kind of stuff that the Raiders have had to deal with this year. Um, It's just been one thing after another. They've weathered the storm. Uh, It was... There was some water <laughs> for sure uh, that was that was coming into that boat, uh, but they steadied it in time to get their season back on track uh, by going to Dallas, a tough place to go play, uh, and beating the Dallas Cowboys and showing what they needed to show. That was the main takeaway to me of that win against the Cowboys on Thursday. They played opportunistic defensively. Uh, they were timely defensively. The offense was able to stay on the field to keep the defense fresh. They were able to take some chances down the field offensively. Uh, they scored on a big touchdown play to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, hookups to Zay Jones. Hookups to uh, Hunter Renfro downfield. The run game got on track. The special teams was really good. It was complimentary football uh, in the best possible way. And it's what the Raiders need to do. It's what they've done at various points this year. When they have done these things, they've won. They've been an explosive football team. They've been an efficient football team. They've been a productive football team and an effective football team when they're playing clean, efficient football. It's when they've gotten away from that that they get in trouble. And none of that is because of a lack of talent. These, this team is good enough to make the playoffs without question. And they probably should be a little bit further ahead on the ledger than they are right now, as Derek Carr said on Thursday. Not exactly where we want to be, but the bottom line is they are where they need to be at this point to make a run, um, to play important football games. And they control their own fate as well. And so getting back on track was paramount, and they did exactly that. And what was also very impressive in addition to everything that we just talked about, um, was the run game getting untracked. The Raiders have to run the ball. You can't abandon the run game. And they did it just well enough on Thursday for it to be a viable factor, for it to be something that the Cowboys had to truly pay attention to. And whether it was the long ball setting up the run or the run setting up uh, the, the long ball, it's a combination of both. And that's why you have to have both to be able to complement each other. And going into that game, even on a short week, uh, Josh Jacobs felt like there was some opportunity there for the run game. Here's Josh Jacobs. From the beginning of the game, we knew. Uh, we kind of knew that um, 
we was close to breaking big ones all day. It was just little technique stuff that we had to fin uh, fix. And um, eventually, as the game go down, when they started making a couple mistakes and stuff, it just opened up. What does Lincoln talk about all the time? It might hap- not, might not happen early in the game. Um, it's it's great to be efficient and to be productive early in the game, uh, but the more you stick with it, the more you do it well, uh, the more it wears opponents down. And when you're wearing opponents down and forcing them to pay attention to your run game, it just opens things up uh, for everything else. And so it was kind of a combination, like I just said. Was it Deshaun Jackson and taking chances downfield, opening things up for the run game? Or was it the run game opening things up for, for the pass game? It's who cares? It's it, when you're doing both and you're successful at both, it's going to help both. And the offense is going to be more whole and more complete. And when the Raiders have had complete offensive performances this year, they're as good as any offense in the NFL. And it's taken a little while, but Deshaun Jackson um, is is definitely has definitely been activated. That I can't express how important it was. What was it? The third or fourth play of the game against the Cowboys? That touchdown throw from Derek Carr to Deshaun Jackson. Um, to me, and we had mentioned this uh, last week during the show and and the week before. It felt to me coming out of the bye and everything that had happened um, in the day or two leading up to them returning to work uh, after the bye week, it just felt like the Raiders were playing with a burden. They were playing with an enormous amount of pressure on their shoulders. And, you know, I know you're a professional athlete. You have to block things out and you have to stay focused. Part of that is being disciplined and, and, and you know, just being good at what you do mentally. But I just felt like, you know, when when you're shooting yourselves in the foot or shooting yourself in the foot like the Raiders were on some of the silly mistakes, some of the mental errors of jumping off sides on defense uh, or uh, moving on offense in key situations, it just felt like there was a lot of pressure going on. And when you're playing tense and you're playing under pressure, it's almost inevitable that you're going to make mistakes. It's not because, you know, you're you're not a professional. It's not because you're undisciplined. It's because you're you're kind of in your own head a little bit. And yeah, you want to do so well and you know and and yeah, that's when sometimes um you jump off sides, try to do too uh, a little bit too much. And that's what I felt like the Raiders were doing in the three-game losing streak and it was just it was like a bad dream for them. They couldn't get out of that bad dream and those bad habits that they were uh, and, and and silly mistakes that I felt partly were due to some of the pressure that they were kind of putting on themselves. And so that touchdown pass to Deshaun Jackson, just it lifted everything, you know. And I was watching the sidelines and it exploded. They were, it was just smiles, uh, a good vibe, a good feeling. And it just felt like even where I was sitting, uh, up in the press box, it felt like that sort of unleashed all of that pressure, you know, and to complete a long pass for it to be Deshaun Jackson, for him to do what everyone knows he's capable of doing, uh, for him to dance down the sidelines like he did on a big score, for him to kind of shut up the Dallas uh, fans, and there were a whole bunch of Raider fans there too, uh, and they erupted, for them to take an early lead in a big game on a big stage, 
38 million people watching the game. For them to do it the way they did it right there, early in the game, third or fourth play of the game, for them to just burst like that, pop like that, it just felt like the, the all the pressure was lifted. And from that point on, the Raiders played free, easy, clean, efficient football. There was no more pressure. It was just, and as Hunter Renfro talked about afterwards, just let's have fun. Let's go in there and have fun. And I know it sounds like a cliche. I know it just sounds like talk. But you guys were watching, whether you were there uh, at AT AT&T Stadium or watching at home, enjoying your Thanksgiving with your family. You saw the same thing I saw. When that long touchdown pass happened, it felt like the fun returned to the Raiders and they were playing with a with a, a freedom that we hadn't seen since the Denver Broncos game, since the Philadelphia Eagles game, when they were just really rolling teams. And we know what happened during the bye week. We know who was lost um, right as the bye week was ending. We get it. We understand it. And I think it had an effect both emotionally and certainly on the field. You can't take that big of a piece of the puzzle out of the equation and just expect to move on uh, undeterred or like nothing happened. It just doesn't work that way. For the Raiders, fortuitous, as we mentioned, that a player the caliber of Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson was available. Not only that, he wanted to come here and play for the Raiders. Um, a guy with that kind of experience, with uh, a little bit to prove, Still plenty left in the gas tank. Here's a guy who wasn't playing much with the Rams, so the legs were fresh. It wasn't like this is a guy that was, um, you know, uh, running on fumes by the time he got to the Raiders. He certainly wasn't a guy that uh, had, had, you know, had he played a normal allotment of of snaps in, what, the eight, nine games prior to that, um, you know, the legs would have shown that. No, he's as healthy and as spry and as fresh as you can possibly be at this time of the season. Fortuitous for the Raiders, for Deshaun Jackson to be available. And it was going to take a little time. It took a little time. But, boy, it popped on Thursday in Dallas. And right off the bat, it did. And it really, to me, just unleashed the Raiders and just lifted a huge burden that I kind of felt, I just felt like they were playing with that burden on their shoulders. And if they could get away from that, and play the kind of football that they played on Thursday, they're going to be a tough out for anybody. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line, Pete in NC. What's up, Pete? Vincennes, how are you? I'm doing very good, Pete. Are we talking about North Carolina? Yeah, I'm in North Carolina. All right. uh, Love it. Been out of the cold weather. Made my way south. Hey, I've been a Raider fan since the 60s, and, and I love... Raider Nation and, and all that's going on and what's, what's happening on the radio station. Um, but I want to bring up one thing, and it was, it was on Q's podcast this morning, and it kind of had me all bubbled up, and that was over the fact that he believes that the Raiders need a new coach and should get a new coach. And I'm not asking you for his opinion on him, but I'd love to hear your comments about that. I think the greatest gift for the Raiders this year is to continue to be competitive or play competitive game in and game out, because I didn't think they were as competitive against the Giants or the Bengals, and and have Mike Mayock, Rich Bisaccia, and the coaches. and Because this is John Gruden's team, the philosophy and everything that's taking place. That's a thumbprint that's been put on it for years. And it's going to take a while for Rich to put, say, his thumbprint. And I think 
listening to the interviews of the players, the respect he has of that room and, and of Mike Mayock and just listening to Coach Rich and so forth, I, I think that would be the, the best thing for continuity in the organization. And, and I would only hope that the owner, Mark Davis, at the end of the season would sort of assess that and do some exit interviews with some veterans to get a sense of where they are, because I, I think the best is yet to come from Rich Bisaccia as the head coach of the Raiders. Yeah. And anyway, I'd love to hear your comments. And Vinny, thanks again for all that you do. Thank you got you. it, Pete. Thank you. Uh, stay warm in North Carolina. Love that part of the world. Um, you know, I, I think a lot is predicated on, you know, where this thing goes uh, from here uh, over these last six games. I think Mark Davis um, is is smart enough um, to, to understand that let's just wait and see. You know, and there's there's time to gauge this thing, and there's time um, to to really assess things and let it play out, and not be hasty in making one decision or cornering himself uh, into one approach uh, over another. I think everything needs to be on the table uh, at at this point, and let you know the events of these next six weeks play a role in you know what that decision may or may not be. Uh, but I don't think he's going to leave any stone unturned uh, in terms of, you know, surrounding himself with uh, people that care about this organization and want what's right for this organization um, and that he respects and that respects him uh, in terms of trying to figure out which direction to take. Uh, But I don't think he's going to do that prematurely. I think he's going to wait for this season to play out um, and then, make that decision on, on which direction to take. Now, I, I'm not in Mark Davis's head, uh, so I don't know what he's thinking right now. Um, uh, but I'm sure, as smart as he is, he's, like I said, everything will be on the table. And I'm sure those thoughts are in his head, that everything is on the, p- the table. Be flexible um, and, 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 and see where this thing is headed. As far as Rich Bisaccia, um I've been impressed by Rich Bisaccia in terms of just his growth already, you know, and the comfort level that that it feels like he's gaining uh, in his new role as the head coach. It wasn't easy for Rich Bisaccia. This wasn't what he expected. He didn't ask for uh, this to happen the way it did, for him to get his shot the way he got it. Uh, but he's certainly been a very steadying uh, influence and steadying force. And uh, I think this team is headed in the right direction. But again, these next six weeks are going to dictate uh, a lot. And I don't think anybody is locked into any one particular position uh, at this point. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. No, actually, we just we had a little bit of a, a meeting in there. and We're getting ready to have another team meeting, but I, I kind of got on him about the exact thing, right? Um, uh, the, the loss, the, we, we didn't get so down that we couldn't go out there and keep preparing. We couldn't go out there and have um, really good, crisp um, physical practices. And now that we've won, you know, we just have to be careful. What I told them was, I think when you win a game, you have to be careful with the win masking your problems. When you lose a game, you pick at every single thing that happens in the loss. When you win a game, sometimes the tendency maybe is to skim over 
the things that you didn't do well and kind of just move on to what's next. So I think we have to do a good job as coaches is to look at the things that we really didn't do well, although we won the game, just like we would if we, if we lost it. So we're, we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to have enough self-confidence where we can be self-critical, not only as coaches, but as players as well. That's Raiders interim head coach Rich Passaccia talking about the mindset now after a win. Um, And, you know, it doesn't change from wins to losses. Uh, You're always going to try to figure out and assess, uh, A, what did you do well? And, you know, try to replicate that and stay on uh, task with that. But also take an honest, frank look at yourself in terms of, what did you do wrong? Where can you improve? Um, it's coaching 101. And, you know, he did mention, you know, uh, the fact that players have to be honest about it and, you know, professional about it in order to accept the fact that you have to take a look at those things that you did wrong and be open to improving and to criticism and to those type of things. Uh, it's not always easy. Um, you know, think about whatever your job is being told you're not doing it well enough and that you have to do this, this, and this, uh, to, to be better. It's not always easy to hear that it's needed. And if you heed the advice and maybe, you know, filter out how it might be, uh, said, or, you know, um, you know, the, the, the fact that it is criticism, if you can filter that out and get to the core of the message of, well, if you do this, you're going to be better. And if you do this, it's going to help this team win more football games and understand that that's really the bottom line. It's nothing personal. Uh, it's just being able to be self-reflective and understand that it's for the good for yourself. It's for the good uh, of the team and be open to that. And as long as you are, uh, there should be no issues. It's hard. It's difficult. You don't want to hear that you're not doing uh, a good enough job or that you can be better. All of those things are, uh, you know, a strain on the on the feelings, but you have to get past that. And I think the Raiders have done a good job of they didn't freak out during that three-game losing streak. You heard Derek Carr talk about in spite of all the times he was asked, why is this different? You told us a week ago that this was different. Derek, you said this is different. Why are you? Do you still feel this is different than past teams? And he stood up there week after week after week after the three losses and said, Yes, I still feel that way. I still feel that way because I understand how we show up to work every day. I understand the commitment that uh, is being expressed and shown and the work ethic and the connected uh, nature of this team. Nobody's splintering. Nobody's pointing fingers. Nobody's showing up later and later and later uh, to start their work days. The commitment, the work ethic, uh, the demeanor, the mindset were all there. And in his mind, that reflected a difference in some years past where guys were starting to eh, mail it in a little bit. Eh. What's the difference if I show up now or 15 minutes from now, 15 minutes later, you know, and 15 minutes becomes 20 minutes and, you know, you're just not on task. You're not quite there like you were when things were going good. He didn't see any of those things and he continually expressed that he didn't freak out, nor did anybody that I've talked to throughout a three game losing streak. And, you know, as long as there was time left on the clock to be able to get it figured out, to kind of find their mojo again then there was no reason to freak out. And I think that that's a good sign moving forward for this team. And they're not going to freak out because they beat the Dallas Cowboys either. They're going to 
take a look at what they did right. They're going to take a look at what they did wrong, try to get those corrected to try to put themselves in a better position against the Washington football team. And then the same procedure will follow that win or lose and take that with them to Kansas city and then to Cleveland. And then, you know, the rest of the schedule, that's what it has to be. Um, and make no mistake. And I reiterate, I think the Raiders are capable of winning every single game that's left on their schedule. Absolutely. Talent wise, they can compete with everybody that's on that schedule. It's how do they approach games? Are they going to be efficient? Are they going to be clean? Are they going to uh, stay away from the self-inflicted wounds? Uh, are they going to, is, are, you know, is Derek Carr and, and Deshaun Jackson going to continue to build on that chemistry? And if they can, and if they do, then they're going to be in a great position uh, to make a run here for the playoffs. We're going to be- go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Dave is in Denver. How you doing, Raider Dave? Oh, I'm pretty good. It was a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend for all of Raider Nation. But I just want to remind everybody of one thing. At the beginning of last season, the Raiders started out with seven new starters on defense. Go ahead and quickly just name off which ones of those are all starters this year at the beginning of this season because it's, again, another seven to eight new starters and a lot of guys on one-year prove-it deals. we got new starters on offense. The chemistry and the cohesiveness that's come together with this team, I'm, in fact, pretty impressed with. They a couple games did get by. A couple games they didn't uh, look like they were prepared enough for. But I really like what Passaccia is saying, and I applaud him for saying it in the media so that people can understand what the nucleus of this team is and how it's being formed in the locker room. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree. And there were uh, plenty of new starters uh, this year compared uh, to last year. But as we talked about during the offseason, think about who we were talking about. You know, Unique Ngakwe, uh, Casey Hayward, uh, and then, you know, Trayvon Morag, who is a, a great rookie draft pick, Nate, Nate Hobbs. So um, and then they bring in Denzel Perryman and they bring in a KJ Wright. Uh, so it was the players that they were bringing in, they were new starters and it was going to take time for them to get it figured out. But the level of talent was so much better and it's definitely showing. Uh, and when you look at Josh Jacobs being healthy, Deshaun Jackson being fresh, this defense being fresh too, um, in spite of having to play a lot of downs and a lot of snaps during the three game losing streak, if the Raiders offense can stay where they were on Thursday, that defense I think is going to be much better off coming down uh, the stretch and maybe even be able to get a Trayvon Mullen back. want to say thanks to Sam Gordon um, for joining us in the huddle. want to say thanks to all the great callers. You always bring it, and I always appreciate it. We're back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Talk to you guys tomorrow.